Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. You know, this podcast has given me the opportunity to have so many powerful conversations with some of the most brilliant women on this planet, in my opinion. And some of those conversations are meant to be shared again. That's why I'm rebroadcasting this impactful conversation that I had with Mindful Mama mentor Hunter Clark Fields in the early days of the show. Hunter Clark Fields, M-S-A-E-R-Y-T, is a Mindful Mama mentor. Hunter is the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, host of the Mindful Mama podcast, and widely followed author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. She helps parents bring more peace and calm into their daily lives. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation and practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide, including parents with ADHD. Now, parenting ADHD teens, when you have ADHD yourself, it really takes parenting to a whole other level. And I honestly don't know how I would have made it through the past two years without practicing mindfulness myself. Now, during this rebroadcast episode, Hunter shares her parenting journey, how it led her to mindfulness, and the simple steps we can take to bring mindfulness into our own parenting. Practicing mindfulness is a brilliant way to manage ADHD for yourself as well as for your kiddos. We talk about seeing mindfulness as a superpower that calms the body and the mind, we talk about using mindfulness as a form of self-care that ripples out to your family and out into the world. We also talk about developing the muscle of mindfulness and how it makes you more aware of your triggers and ultimately a less reactive parent. But before we dig in, I wanted to share a word from our sponsor. Now, I don't know about you, but I often have to catch myself before I react with my kids or my husband in a way that I know that I will regret. It used to be a more common occurrence, especially before I broke my life apart in the early days of motherhood. Something would happen and I'd go off the rails. I'd yell or pout or cry or react in some other really unskillful way, leaving myself and or the unfortunate recipient of my unskillful behavior feeling bad. Sometimes my ADHD gets in the way of how I really prefer to respond. And my ADHD teens definitely know my hotspots. Now, if you're nodding your head, yes, because you know exactly what I'm talking about, then you're going to want to check out my friend and colleague, Hunter Clark Fields Masterclass, Five Steps to Get Your Kids to Listen Without Losing Your Shit. She's worked with thousands of other moms who knew something had to change. Check it out at bit.ly forward slash VDM dash mindful mama mentor. I'm an affiliate of Hunter's. So if you decide at some point to purchase something from her, she'll send me a little love and know that I only recommend people and things that I have personal experience with. And Hunter is amazing. So check out the masterclass and enjoy this powerful conversation with Hunter Clark Fields. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. And welcome, Hunter. It is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Tracy. I'm happy to be here. Great. 
Now, can you tell us about your journey? Tell us about how how your podcast began or, you know, how you ended up where you are today. Sure. I mean, it was kind of a little bit of a random journey. I never thought I'd be an author and a coach on parenting of all things. Right. I was I was a painter for many years. I have a uh, master of science in art education. I was an art teacher for a little while, and it wasn't for me, although I did like teaching. I mean, really, the the roots of it all are kind of like in myself. Like like you, I'm a highly sensitive person, mm, yeah. and I struggled with these big kind of dips, highs and lows. Like I would fall into these lows, dips, like kind of every week or two for my whole life. You know, I just really just felt things intensely. And so I started to study and learn about mindfulness and and um, and other things as a teenager, you kind of desperate for some relief from that. So that's right. what started me on my mindfulness journey. And and then when I became a mother, um, you know, I was just, I was like, I had this idea of exactly what the kind of mother I wanted to be. I wanted to be, you know, just patient and kind, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be staying home with the kids with, with her. So I, you know, I gotta, this was like the most important thing in the world to me. Right. So I really wanted to get it right. And then I just found myself like, it was just so much harder than I thought it would be. So, so much harder. And I found myself really activated. I found my temper really triggered. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, I, I felt at times really hopeless about that. Like I just, I had this, I, I had, uh, decided how I wanted to be. I had chosen and yet I wasn't able to kind of implement that. And so I was really frustrated. So it it sent me back to really diving into mindfulness a little bit more back into solidifying my practice with that really into back into, into parenting communication tools and all Mm. that stuff. And I really, you know, I had, I realized that there were a number of things that um, I realized. I started sort of blogging about my struggles and challenges, and and you know, I I knew right away like I was crap if I didn't take care of myself. Right. I knew that. I knew that right away. Um, and so I started to, uh, you know, I, I had gotten certified as yoga teacher in 2005. So I started to share about my practice, my daily practice there. And then I, as I started to blog and then start to, you know, I released a, a program about developing your own daily practice. And I started to work with other mothers. You know, I realized that all this, these things I was learning um, from really great, like parenting teachers, like mm-hmm. wonderful people had like great things to say. And, and they would teach these amazing communication skills that I couldn't implement when I was like triggered. Right. And so I realized that like one without the other was not enough Mm -hmm. that all this like great advice on what to say was pretty much as good as useless when i was like in my stress response right and so i really needed what i needed to i what i really wanted to do and what i saw that needed to come to this conversation were the pieces on mindfulness understanding our biology you know those habits that steady the heart the mind and the nervous system so we're less reactive and then then we can say, like learn some new language and some better things to say that aren't right. you know causing our kids so much resistance. So I, I just wanted to like bring those two together and and have them talk to each other. 
Yeah, that's a beautiful story. And that I, I, uh, I hear you on those dips and that's kind of, that's how my life has been too, is those dips. I mean, there, there were before children, there were, you know, there, there were sometimes years, there was actually a decade where I just, I couldn't bring myself back up. Um, and I love that also that, that reality that when we are pregnant, no, this is beautiful and I can't wait to have this baby and I'm going to be this kind of parent. And then you have your child and it's not like you think it's going to be, you know, it's much more difficult, much more. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a real, I don't know that we talk about that enough um, before, mm -hmm. you know, in, in our circles and, you know, maybe, maybe it's because by the time we have the kids, we're just exhausted. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but I think we need to open up that conversation a little bit more when we're pregnant, when we're thinking about having kids and to, oh my gosh, can you imagine? And for myself as well, is if you know, I had also, excuse me, I had been, I yo, I'd been doing yoga. By the time I had my kids, I'd been on the mat for maybe fifteen years, maybe 12, 15 years. But I didn't know how to take the yoga off the mat, mm -hmm. right? So there's, it's great to be zen on the mat and have that that peaceful time. Um, and so you. You teach mindfulness, you teach mind, and I love this whole, I, I love your podcast, first of all, I really, really, I, I, I completely resonate with your guests and what you're teaching, and you have this beautiful, soft, um, really mesmerizing, beautiful um, voice that I could just listen to forever, um, but, you, but you teach the mindfulness, I love how you melded the two, you know, the parenting piece. And the mindfulness, which is in really, it's about all about self-awareness, knowing yourself and, and understanding that you have to come from a calm mind and a calm body um, or else you're going to react. So can you tell us a little bit about what mindfulness is, first of all? Sure. Yeah. I mean, mindfulness is pretty simple, really. It's the it's in in the intention to pay attention mm. to what's happening in reality here in the present moment with right. an attitude of kindness and curiosity and this is really different from the way we normally go about our lives it sounds yes. really simple but it's really different from the way we normally go to about our lives we're all normally really kind of like on autopilot you know and that's natural like the brain just takes shortcuts, but we're, we're thinking ahead. We're very kind of future oriented in general, a lot, um, thinking ahead, what are we going to be doing for dinner? Where, right. you know, what am I going to say next? What am I gonna, you know, all of these things were very much, uh, wrapped up in that, that inner dialogue in our, in our head and, and the, the next thing and the next thing. And so the practice of mindfulness is about, really coming back to the present mm -hmm. and it's like a muscle we build and yeah. there's it's pretty amazing the benefits that come from building this muscle I and mean, so it sounds pretty simple sounds like okay well what's the big deal but like it johns hopkins uh, had did a meta study of like 47 different studies that showed that mindfulness practices um regularly after about eight weeks can reduce will reduce depression 47 different studies show this reduce right. depression reduce anxiety increase feelings of well-being increase quality of sleep mm -hmm. increase medical make medical outcomes better but really really importantly for us parents it increases our impulse control and yeah. lowers our reactivity so it's kind of like this 
this superpower that helps us to kind of step back into the big picture, into a bit of perspective and, um, yeah, and and help us to really kind of calm, steady the heart and the mind. And it's so funny, Tracy, when I hear you say like, oh, I have this like calm, mesmerizing voice. It's so hilarious to me <laughs> because like I am so interested in mindfulness because I need it so much, you know, like right. I don't like... I still don't think of myself as this like calm person, but it's funny because it's this perception that we, ha that I have. And of course there's part of me there that's there, but it's like, it's a, a practice that has right. become like such a big part of, because of my life, because it's just, it's such an essential piece. Like for me, after I started my meditation practice, my mindfulness meditation practice, I started it after I did a yoga teacher training. So I read about mindfulness for a decade before I actually practiced. Hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And learned about and it. <laughs> I learned a lot about it. Yeah. But lo and behold, like you become a better pl tennis player by playing tennis actually than exactly. reading yes. about it. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I, I kind of thought like that whole time, like I did, you know, I did that. I thought, you know, nothing's happening. It's not working. I just sit here thinking the whole time. And and then, but I looked back at my life. And so I told you about like these dips I had fallen into mm -hmm. and I just didn't fall into those at all for like three months. And it was like, wow, this is a big, big game changer for me. I had fallen into those for 27 years of my life right. and I didn't fall into those anymore. So, and, and then it, ha it translates, you know, into this, these profound changes bit by bit by bit by bit. Right. Little by little. And I, I, so like you, I had been studying and learning about, there's such a difference between actually practicing and learning about something. Uh, I also, you know, it wasn't until the, the, uh, I did my, my, um, uh, I got my YTT, uh, 200, um, my yoga teacher training and it was there and I had been doing yoga for 12 years at that point. I learned that for me, it wasn't about the asana. It wasn't about the, the yoga poses, what I needed because I'm a, I'm a mover. I'm a, I move my body constantly. Right. So I need that part, but it was the, the meditation and the mindfulness that was what I really needed. Now it took me a nine month yoga teacher training for me to have that realization. But once mm -hmm. I started bringing that, that, um, it, and there's one thing to do it, to do the mindful meditation. And then there's another to actually bring yourself into being present, you know, in, when you're, when you're in a situation or, you know, before, so that you can respond rather than react. We'll talk a little bit sure. about that, um, but that but it was a it was a self awareness that oh everybody benefits my whole entire family benefits when I do and even if it's three minutes you know it's even if it's my my um, three minutes of meditation or five minutes ten minutes um, I did when my kids were um, were babies so my kids are seventeen months apart um, I had six months where both of my kids had an overlap of napping for 30 minutes. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So it was right around the time uh, Chopra started doing his um, 21 day meditations. And one of his, um, one of his uh, uh, facilitators is David G. Do you know, are you familiar with David G? Mm -hmm. um, he just has a beautiful, calm voice as well. And, um, and I remember him saying, 
even if you get a thimble full of, of, uh, of quiet, of stillness, then like that's not all you need, but a thimble full is beautiful, right? So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be, I think we have this idea that oh, I can't, I can't meditate. I can't sit, you know, quietly with nothing in my mind for 30 minutes. And that's not what it is at all. It's just about, it's the practice, right? Can you tell us about the practice of meditation, of mindfulness? Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's like the most common, you know, myth, myth is that we're going to have nothing in our minds. And, and now I've been meditating for, you know, like uh, 15 years or something. And so the, I can assure you that's not true. Actually, it was right. really, I had a, I had, it's about, you know, it's about sitting still and, and we, sometimes we get those thimblefuls of like no thought and, and there's, those are lovely moments, but we also have like anxieties arise and thoughts right. and oh, yeah. radio songs from the eighties, you know, yeah. like all this kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. I was, um, I was sitting in a meditation group, um, nearby one time when, um, and it's a group in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Zen master. And so um, every once in a while, a monk or a nun would come and visit our group. And so one time we had a, a monk there. And so this, this is a guy whose whole life, every day is dedicated to mindfulness. Like right. the, whole, the whole day, all day, every day, you know, his whole life is dedicated to mindfulness. And so in this, in the, so I'm thinking, okay, like this is gonna be interesting as we share in our Dharma discussion. And he, he, he shared in our Dharma discussion about the practice. And so first I just have to pre preface this. In this meditation group, we would sit still in silence for 25 minutes, mm -hmm. and then we would do 10 minutes of walking meditation, and then 10 more minutes of sitting meditation. So that is 45 minutes of meditation altogether. Right. So we had 45 minutes of meditation. So he shared afterwards in the discussion, he said, Yes, he said, I think I had a like a lovely like in our meditations tonight, lovely like two minutes of clarity. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I like, love that. Right. This is like your whole life. And like you had like two minutes of clear mind. Oh, I really am not doing it wrong. I'm not exactly. like because this is like you're a pro, you're literally a professional at this. And, and that's what you had. I mean, right. so it's it's not it's not about like that can be really lovely and that can feel really nice and that's a wonderful effect but it's not about that it's about how are you how are you taking this practice of being present being able to feel the, what's happening inside your body being able to mm -hmm. notice what's happening inside your mind um how are you taking that off the off of your chair or your meditation place and and bringing that into your life right i love that i i, I really i uh in the work that i do i talk about mindfulness and meditation as a uh, as your mental hygiene you know just like you would take mm -hmm. care of your physical body you take care of your mind and your mind needs a rest even if it is, that is beautiful that you had that experience with, with the monk, with the two minutes. I mean, that is because that's what it is. It's not about sitting with an empty mind for 30 minutes. That's not what it is. It's completely different. The practice is to bring your mind back to the, back to the present and back to the present. It, that's the practice. And so how, how does mindfulness play into parenting? How does it help parenting? 
Well, like I said, that lo- that that lowered reactivity and that increased impulse control are huge. You yeah. know, um, first of all, I mean, it just gives you so much a uh, uh, so much clearer way of thinking, so much more self awareness. So, you know, when in my mindful parenting membership and when people start this, a meditation practice is the first thing they start with because it gives us this, it like starts to build this muscle of being able to have clear seeing right. and to lower our reactivity, right? Mm-hmm. So when we can see more clearly, we can start to see more clearly, when am I trying to like hold on too tight and control too much? When when am I having anxious feelings about something that really is not a big deal? When am I, you know, we start to be able to see those things more clearly. Right. So the ability to see more clearly and to be less reactive, I mean, it's just, it's hard to make any other changes without that, you know, yeah. because you need to be able to, you need to be able to be aware of, how you're communicating. You need to be aware of your own feelings that are arising. You need to be aware of your child's feelings are arising. You need to, you know, you need to really build that awareness. And, and if you, if you, you know, you can't work on what you you don't know about, right? What's unconscious. You can't, you can't work on anything that's unconscious. So you have to start to develop a, a muscle of becoming more aware and becoming more conscious. And without that, I mean, and it's funny because, it's a scary prospect for many people. Like it's yeah. not comfortable, even though everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you're the fidgetiest person in the world, right. you can do it. It's it's uncomfortable, this idea of, of you know, looking inward of, of the self-awareness. It really is brave work right. to do it, but it is, the, it is the key that starts to unlock all the doors bit by bit. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And um, and using that, I mean, that that's exactly it. That what we want, most of us anyway, what we want more than anything for, is to have a really great communication and, and a great relationship with our kids. And that when we are able to, and, and I'm going to invite you to talk a little bit about the reactivity and how we can use, like what, how, how we would actually use that, the mindfulness to become less reactive so that we can respond instead of doing that, you know, that knee jerk, you know, um, your child is still in bed when they're, we're supposed to be walking out the door, whatever it might be. And you have that reaction. Like, how do we, how do we um, use the mindfulness to, um, to uh, counter, counter, the reactivity. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, when, when we're uh, practicing mindfulness, we're practicing, like we sit still or we're walking or whatever, but I, I really recommend like sitting still and, and all kinds of stuff comes up, right? Like yeah. you're like, you, you, your stuff comes up and you, our tendency is to react and do and you know, you know, itch or whatever it is. And as we practice, like not reacting to that, we build this sort of muscle of Mm non-reactivity. So that's one piece. So, so when we're in a difficult moment with our child, so we're kind of like building a little bit of that non-reactive muscle. And then when we're in a difficult moment in our child, and we start to become, we can start to become a little more aware of where we are on this timeline of like the losing it train sort of take right. leaving the station. Right. And another thing we do in our meditation practice is we start to label, right? We start to mm-hmm. say, oh, okay, thinking, um, 
okay, I see, you know, I'm feeling, seeing anxiety arise. Oh, Hmm. there you are. Old friend anxiety. I see you there again, right? Like we start to label those things and we can start to do that in a difficult moment with our child when we're starting to get reactive. I'm starting to feel really frustrated. I'm starting to get really annoyed. And as we start to say these things out loud, Mm -hmm. it can be this bell of mindfulness to, you know, ding, ding, ding. I better do some things to help me slow down this train because I see it's it's left the station, right? I can see right. it's left the station. And then, you know, even in, you know, I think mindfulness and skillful communication go hand in hand. But so even if that train, that losing it train has left the station, um, we can still use our our mindfulness tools to um, to be more skillful in our mm-hmm. skillful communication tools. So one thing I talk about in mindful parenting is owning your feelings. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll give my own example of how I did this the other uh, last year. My daughter, who is at the at that time nine, we had had a movie night and she didn't want to go to bed afterwards. She was all riled up. It was driving me crazy. So I think I'm just going to ignore this and read my book. And she's right. gonna go, it's just annoying. And then she laughed at me as oh. she like said something and then she laughed at me and I was like, like yeah. it was just like this like rage came out of me like like a volcano and I was like oh man like I cannot just ignore this and I just got up and I I said I'm really angry right now <laughs> and then I opened the door and I went outside and I th- did throw my book on my driveway, but then I had to walk up and down the street for a little while. But right. when I when I communicated with her, I owned my feelings. I said, mm. "I'm really angry right now. Right. Not you're a little blotty, blotty, blah. You yeah. know, I'm feeling angry, and so and then I was able to take care of that that anger. So, you know, it really helps us to reduce the the mindfulness. Uh, practices and habits to take care of our difficult feelings and the communication practices, they really, really reduce a lot of that conflict zone time. Mm-hmm. And we're human and stuff happens. Right. And so we can still, um, and then we can, you know, we can, we just develop that uh, a, a greater, a, a greater response, ability to respond, like responsibility, right. I think is such an interesting word, right? It's that ability to respond rather than react, rather than say those words that your father might, your mother might've said that were not. Oh so my happy. gosh. When we start doing that, you're like, oh my gosh, I remember hearing about that. <laughs> I'm turning into my mother, I'm turning into my father, but we don't have to. Uh, Hunter, I love what you just, that example Um, And I can't, okay, personally, if they're listening to your podcast, I cannot imagine that you would blow up like that. I mean, just, it's, again, that Zen. People say that about me too. You're so Zen. I'm like, oh my God, if you only knew what was inside my head, (laughs) right? But I love what you said about, I am angry, right? I am. It's not about your child, you know, it's you're the one that's triggered, Right. And it's, and I love that. I love that the languaging that you're taking ownership of it, that this is about me and that you took ownership of it. And then you went out and, you know, threw your book, whatever, you know, you, you kept, you did it safely, right? You didn't show it and throw it at her, but then you took care of it, right? Moved your body, took a little walk, got the energy out. And then you're able to, then you're more, more able to, 
you know, to deal with the situation. But I love that. I, I, I really, I want to point that out that you said that you, that, that you, that you owned it. It wasn't about her. You're making me mad or you did this. And, you know, it was about, it was about you. I think that's huge. I think that's, that's for, and that takes practice. That is not something that we just do automatically. You know, it's something that we have to cultivate. And I also love what you said about that, um, that learning the, um, learning the, uh, to control the reactivity when you're in meditation and that that's, that you're practicing so that's beautiful. And I haven't, I haven't ever thought about it that way. Like I, I think when I think of meditation and mindfulness, I think more of the, just the, the letting your mind be still, but I love that you are practicing like, okay, I don't have to pay attention to those thoughts over there. You know, I can bring my mind back to, so you're, you're already practicing that you're not reacting to, to the thoughts or like you said, the, the song from the eighties or, you know, something to, that happened to you when you were seven, you know, those oh weird gosh. thoughts that come in when you're in meditation, you're like, where in the world does this come from? This is supposed to be stillness, but they do the weird, the weird thoughts that come in. Oh God, I was on a silent seven day meditation retreat and I swear that my brain was like a radio station, just like <laughs> song after song after song after right. song. And it's like, okay. And then that's the, that's the thing is like that moment when we're in a meditation practice and we're distracted, you know, it, it, that's a really great moment. Like that's like, yes, like that's the moment where you are like, if you're like building muscle, that's when you're like lifting, curling that weight up to your, your shoulder, doing your biceps, right? right? Like that's your moment where you're like, oh, and I bring my attention back with kindness and curiosity. Mm -hmm. I re-relax into this moment and, and we get more clarity more and more, but you know, I want to point out too, that this distracted way of being is with our when is with us when we're with our kids in the great moments too yeah right like so we could be on the floor with our child and you know it, like you're, you're all thinking about um you know bridgerton or whatever you know it's right. like <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and, and and the truth is like so the my teacher the zen master tiknahan he has a quote about this and i think it just i just love to share it because it just means so much to me and it says it so well um that when you love someone the best thing you can offer them is your presence mm. how can you love if you are not there Oh, beautiful. How can you love if you are not there? Like right. this moment is the only moment that life is available to us. Right. This is it. Like if we're not here, if we're always in the future, always in thoughts of the next thing or, or, or wanting to be, you know, aversion to whatever's here or, or, or grasping on the next thing, then we're, we're never, we're never really here for those that we love. And that, to me, that is really the biggest driving thing is that I, I want to be here. Like I get this yeah. one short life, like, and I get my kids and, you know, and your kids are older too. Like my daughter's 14 now. I know. And then I'm like those little old ladies who are like, love every minute. And you're like, shut up old lady. You're driving me crazy when you say that. Exactly. Right? But now I'm like one of those things. And I'm like, it's like, it's not, not that you're going to love any, every minute. That's not true. But like, it does go by really fast. Yeah. And if we are, you know, we want to be here, right? We want to actually be here for this precious time. 
Right, right. And I, I think that it's a it's a gift to us for one thing, because we are, this is a gift. It's a gift to be in this human form, period. You know, I mean, this this is a gift. This is being in this human body is is an amazing gift. And it's a gift to be a parent and to have have those moments with our children. And I, you know, and I really believe that every single one of us, we want to know that we matter, right? We, mm-hmm. we not want to know that our life is, is meaningful. And I think that's the gift that we can give the other people when we're being present with somebody. Oh, yeah. I mean, you love- matter. You matter enough that I'm going to pay attention to you. Like love is attention. I mean, honestly, like if you give something enough attention, you just gonna end up falling in love with it. Like you can start like looking at a little sprout shooting up in the ground. And if you just sit there, if you sat there for 15 minutes with that little sprout, boy, would you start loving that little sprout and feeling so cozy about it, you know, but think about when you are, you know, maybe when you had a moment where you were falling in love at some point in your life, what happened that person you gave that person all of your attention and that feeling of being loved is that feeling of being showered with loving attention and so that is like if we it really is helpful to think of love as attention when we give Mm. our kids attention it really is the feeling of being loved and they're really feeling seen and they're really feeling heard and they're really feeling valued and we can't do that if we are not there that is beautiful right there, what you said, the, the love and the giving. And the, I, I, I really, really love that. So take note, take a little snapshot of that, of what Hunter just said, because that is, that is beautiful. And that's exactly it, right? That's what we want our kids to experience in life. And that's what we want to experience too. That's just, that's beautiful. So Hunter, what are some tips that parents can use to start a mindfulness practice? Well, for sure, start small. (laughs) Don't have super high expectations of yourself. Like you said, a thimbleful is enough, Um, especially, you know, if life is crazy. But if you get five minutes to scroll on social media, you can do it. Absolutely. (laughs) You've got five minutes to do it. I've got like a three-minute meditation as a free resource on my website. So you can use that. Um, Start with support of a teacher. Use a guided meditation. I would say, you know, find um, find a handful of teachers that you appreciate and stick with one or two right. or like fewer, you know what I mean? Just don't, don't go bouncing around all over the place. Yeah. It's not, we think of meditation and mindfulness as this thing that we do, like, oh, you know, we're so individualistic about it here, but it's like, it's so much more powerful done in community. Right, so much more right. powerful when we say, Hey, dear friend, uh, mom, dear sister, I want to try this thing. Will you do it with me? Or mm. we reach out and find a community. Like in, in Mindful Parenting, we have over 400 families all around the world who are doing the same work. And man, it makes such a big difference right. to have like accountability and guidance in a community. Like we, we all think we can just like, like make a change, just like I'm going to decide to be this way. And, and, and you know, it, it, that support, like when something really matters, it, it's good to get that. So I would say start small, get support, or at the very least, some kind of some kind of accountability. Tell someone yeah. else what you're doing and right. invite them along with you and just stick with, um, you know, less than a handful of, of trusted teachers that you like. Right. I, I, I love all of those things that you just said. And I the, the starting small is key. 
you would not start with 30 minutes of meditation. That's no <laughs> not way. how you start no with meditation like- and mindfulness because that you, you're, you, you're not going to you're not going to continue, right? Because you, you want it to be small enough so that you can you can bring it into your daily life. And again, you know, it can be three minutes. I love that you have the three minute meditation. We will definitely I'll put the link to um, to your website and all of your all of your links in the uh, the show notes. Um, but um, I also love what you said about community because I think community is huge. Now I I. I I always like to do, you know, we were talking earlier about the learning and the knowing and the, the, you know, all of that. Um, There's, there's, we can do it by ourselves, but we don't go as fast and we don't go as far and we don't go as deep when we do it by ourselves. And we are communal beings. We are meant to be in community with other people, right? And that vibration that, you know, this, this might be getting a little woo, but the vibration of a group of people meditating and being in that stillness at the same time, there is nothing, there's nothing like that. Um, and, and, and think about this too, when we're, when we are spending time in a community like yours, right, where we are, we're doing this work with other people. We're actually, you, you know, I, I like to think that we are, you know, other people are getting it too, even if they're not in the group. So we're kind of sharing this, um, this beautiful vibration of peace and presence and love. So, um, yeah, I absolutely love that. I love that. And Hunter, can you tell us a a little bit about loving kindness? I absolutely love loving kindness and I'd love to hear it. And they're different. I, you, you know, it's, 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 I hear it different ways from different sources, but I'd love to hear the way that you use loving kindness and what it is. Sure. Uh, Loving kindness is just an intentional practice of cultivating feelings of loving kindness inside Mm -hmm. our body because, they're healing and they're the more, you know, you, when you give it, when you have it in yourself, you're going to give it to other people, right? Like right. the more kind and loving you are to yourself, the more kind and loving you are going to be to others. And so loving kindness is a practice of inten- intentionally cultivating that for ourselves, for our loved ones, for total strangers and for <laughs> even difficult people. Um, and so it can be practiced in many, many different ways. Um, you know, traditionally it's practiced by repeating a series of phrases like, may I, may I be safe, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I live with ease, right? And we, we cultivate that, that feeling in, um, in ourselves for ourselves, right? And we can also start with someone who's easy to love if it's harder to start with ourselves. But loving kindness is this incredibly healing practice because, you know, the more you have in your body, the more you can give, the more at peace you feel, you know, we might as well practice these, these good feelings and then we can pass them on to others, which I I think is wonderful. It's a wonderful antidote to our negativity bias, you know, where our, our brains tend to tell lots of negative stories and we have that inner critic, you know, that storytelling mind can, can be our, greatest enemy or it can be our greatest friend is what the Buddha said. And he, uh, the Buddha 2,600 years ago taught practices of loving kindness, of intentionally Mm -hmm. cultivating this for ourselves. So it's about, it's about intentionally cultivating, you know, this, this warm, loving feeling. And we can practice it so many ways, which is cool. You can practice it in a sitting meditation practice. Um, I like to practice it when I'm in um, cities because cities mm-hmm. make me a little like 
tense and excited or if I'm right. traveling, um, I practice it like, so in a city, I'll practice it like in the, on the subway or a bus or something. And I'll look at each person. I'll say, may you be safe. May mm, you be happy, you know, beautiful. to myself, I'll kind of like intent, wish them loving kindness, or I do it in right. the TSA line uh -huh. at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> and it just transforms the whole experience. Like right. you're just like more open, more grounded, more peaceful. It's, it's really um, a really lovely practice in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I actually use, um, I do uh, a lot of forgiveness work in, in uh, with the moms that I work with and the loving kindness is actually one of those, one of the practices that, that, uh, that we use because you are, you are, you know, in forgiveness, you are, you are, you're, um, you're, you're developing compassion and for those in, in, in starting with yourself and going out to other people and with the difficult people too. Like we can still have compassion for the people that uh, the Dalai Lama calls our sacred friends, right? We can still have compassion um, for those people. And we actually want to, we want to, we want to be able to, um, to uh, share that, but we start with ourselves always. And Hunter, that is beautiful that you have given us um, so many gold nuggets in this conversation. I've loved every minute of it. And I really, I, um, I, I really, I, you know, I really align and love, love, love your podcast. It's, um, it's just really, it's fantastic. And you definitely want to go and get, um, get Hunter's, uh, three minute, um, meditation. She has a beautiful, lovely voice, doesn't she? Um, so Hunter, can you tell us about a time in motherhood when you either overcame something or achieved something that you thought was impossible? Well, I think that time that comes most easily to mind for me is really about that temper. It was so mm, strong. And I remember yeah. my father's rage from being a kid. I remember being mm. scared of him and hiding behind the door of my room and right. the shame and uh, that I felt when I saw that I was scaring my child and mm -hmm. I was like enraged, you know, at my child, like that was so intense. And I thought, oh my goodness, who, who am I? Like, how could I be doing this? I'm completely failing. And I really you know, I, at that moment, I really remember just kind of like being a, in a puddle of tears on the floor and, mm. you know, saying, okay, well, I cried, I cried, I felt miserable about myself. And I thought, well, okay, I can either let this, you know, destroy me or I can get up and start to learn from it. So it became right. my teacher, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that really was huge, you know, because I felt like at that point in my life, I had, you know, I'd done a lot of things. Like I, yeah. I told you I was a painter. I'd had group shows, work in group shows in New York City. And I had like gotten good grades. And I was like, I'm like good at being good at things. And I was like really bad at this. Right. And so it was like the most important thing. And it really is, um, I think, my greatest the thing I overcame for me personally. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's, it's, it's possible, right? It's possible yeah. to, we don't have to bring those things from our childhood and that, and to give us, you know, it's okay. It happens sometimes, but with there, we have tools, like we have, there are people who can help us. There are communities and yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Hunter, this is, so first of all, how can our listeners find you? 
Well, everything is at mindfulmamamentor.com. You can learn more about my book, Raising Good Humans. That's mm -hmm. everywhere books are, are sold. And it's also an audio book for you, nice. you uh, podcast <laughs> listeners. Right. Um, and, um, and you can find the Mindful Mama podcast there or anywhere podcasts are and information about mindful parenting, the mindful parenting course as well. Um, yeah, I'd love to love to connect. Come and stop by there. All right. That sounds great. Hunter, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Tracy. It's really been a pleasure and a joy. I've, I've appreciated it. Great. Thank you. All right. And anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. To get started on your vision-driven mom journey, go to visiondrivenmomwalk.com to download the Vision Walk audio guide. Join the collective of moms with ADHD moving their bodies and their lives forward and leaving overwhelm behind. Anything is possible, even for the mom with ADHD. Goodbye for now.